Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing today with all the craziness going on in the world? Greater is he in us than he who is in the world. And we can uh, stay at peace because the peace that our Lord gives passes all understanding. It is not the peace of the world. We know, despite all we see, that God is in control. We know, despite all we see, that God exists and he will build his church and he will bring about all that he has promised to bring about in these end times. The, the amazing thing, I think, is that we're actually in them. We read about them, we think they're future, but we're actually in them. Where we are in them, I don't know. But um, it's just amazing. And I said yesterday that I think the only thing we can do rightly, we can fight, we can exhaust ourselves, we can isolate ourselves, we can hide, but I don't believe that's the way God would have us go. We have what the whole world needs. We have the truth of the gospel, the only truth that will save souls, that will convert mankind, and the only way we will ever um, fulfill God's mission for us is um, is our living, as I often say, as if it is true. Not compromising our faith in what we say, what we do, what we don't say, what we don't do, in all things. And we cannot hide. We cannot keep it to ourselves. We must tell our neighbors. We must tell the world. Um, the world needs to know, beloved, and God has entrusted to us <clears throat> who believe, and especially who are Catholic, with the greatest uh, knowledge and saving truth this side of heaven and the greatest grace, grace through the sacraments and our baptism and everything else. So um, if we keep it to ourselves, uh, Father Stan Fortuna said, when we are thieves, we are given everything to give away and nothing we have is from us. We have uh, received all that we have and what we haven't received, we don't have. And so we receive it to give it away, and we must. And I think the solution to giving it away, to helping to convert the world, ourselves and our own families, is, as I've said often, to know our faith. We cannot live a faith. Oh dear, I think I just eliminated something. Hold on a minute. I'm going to have to try to get back. We cannot live what we don't know. We cannot live what we don't know. And so um, what I'd like to focus on now, here it is, um, very much is our faith. And, and where we'll go with it, I'm not sure. But at the moment, LifeSite News is running a three-part series um, and the, the first part, which began yesterday, is what does it mean for Catholics to believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church? Those are the four marks of the church, and I needed to study them to come into the Catholic church. I had to know 
not just what the English dictionary means and says they mean, but what the Catholic Church says they mean. One holy Catholic and apostolic church. The four marks of the church. And the author here says it is impossible for the church to lose one of her four marks. The Roman Catholic Church exists and will, beloved, until the end of the world, retaining her essential nature constitution, including her unity. And you say, well, it sure doesn't look it. Uh, from where I stand, it sure doesn't look like it's unified and, and retaining her faith and doctrine and all of that, but it is. But it is, because God will see to it. Many have lost their faith in these days. Indeed, many have lost their faith. Um, um, and many are disagreeing, and that's just what the scriptures that the Catholic Church gave the world said would happen. Um, but God is in control. Um, and so I'm going to continue um, where we left off yesterday. And the, the writer, S.D. Wright, says, We can see that there are different unities here, but what does it mean for the church to enjoy unity of faith? How did the church and her theologians understand this idea? First, it's unity of profession. We just passed Easter, and we renew our faith according to the creed every Easter. Although, um, to bury one of the authors, the general concept of supernatural faith entails... One, a doctrine taught that's objective. This is where we left off yesterday. Um, This is outside of what I think, what I feel, but it's objective. It's truth, whether I believe it or not. Uh, Secondly, it is internal acceptance by those who are taught it, which it's once it's internal and we believe it, it's also subjective faith. Number three, it is external profession of the internal faith. This is the main focus of this article, our external profession. We cannot hide our faith under a rock. Uh, It's a city on a hill, the church is. Um, And so there's uh, objective faith, the doctrine that cannot change. There is a subjective or internal faith that is to our, our acceptance of the external faith, the doctrine, and finally, uh, of the objective faith, I should say, our internal acceptance of the objective faith, the doctrine, and finally, um, it is its external profession, um, and that is um, the main focus of this article, and I would say, uh, lives beloved, we need to hear it, we need believe it, and we need to profess it. That's summed up those three points. What does the church teach about this external profession of faith? Vatican I taught, so that we could fulfill our duty of embracing the true faith and of persevering unwaveringly in it, God, through his only begotten Son, founded the church, and he endowed his institution with clear notes to the end that she might be recognized by all as the guardian and teacher of the revealed word. The church herself, by reason of her Catholic unity and her unconquerable stability, is a kind of great and perpetual motive of credibility and an incontrovertible evidence 
of her own divine mission. You see, the Catholic Church has, is the only one that has not given in to moral issues. The only one that has not given in to, to moral issues that must be believed. Um, birth control, abortion, uh, euthanasia, uh, so-called same-sex marriage, which doesn't exist, stem cell research, all these things, the Catholic Church is the only one that's not given in to them. And some people can say, well, but Mother, um, they have given in because now they're using the cells of aborted fetuses. That has to say that the Catholic Church approves of abortion. It does not. And the people that are using the cells of aborted fetuses, um, they may call themselves Catholic. They may do and say many things, but it is not what the Catholic Church teaches. One of the most difficult things for Um, Protestants, strong evangelical Protestants, and those of other faiths to come into the Catholic Church are Catholics. It's a terrible thing to say, but Catholics, even well-meaning Catholics, just simply have not been taught their faith. And so, um, um, but the Catholic Church at its core does, cannot change. Truth is truth. Our Lord is truth. He cannot change. In other words, the church taught, I'll continue with the article here, in other words, the church taught that she has clear notes proving her claims. See, right now there's only confusion out there. Not only, but mostly. A good amount of confusion. And yet the church taught that she has clear notes proving her claims and that one of these is unity. This remarkable unity in the church is itself a proof of her divine mission. As explained in Session 4 of Vatican I, this unity is specifically in faith and charity. This sense was explained by theologians in the following decades following Vatican I. And again, here is Father Barry's quote, Unity in the profession of faith is a natural consequence of the unity of doctrine a mere corollary to be explained rather than proved. You see, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It doesn't explain it. It assumes it. In the beginning, Genesis 1-1, God, it does not explain it. Well, the whole Bible uh, seeks to, to um, tell us who God is uh, and how great he is, but nowhere um, does any statement prove the existence of God. Unity in the profession of faith is a natural consequence of the unity of doctrine. You see? So if we say doctrine says that God exists, that he is one, that he is three persons in one God, that is doctrine. That is to be believed, and it becomes internal and subjective. We believe it, and then we give it to the world. It becomes external. There's the music for our first break, beloved. We'll be back right after the break and continue with this article from LifeSite News, and then we'll take your calls, your texts, your emails at the half-hour break. God bless you. Our toll-free number, so you have it ahead of time, is 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back.
The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. How would you like to wake up each morning to inspiring sermons from knowledgeable and faith-filled priests? You can tune in to Sermons for Everyday Living every day at 6 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. You can listen on thestationofthecross.com or anytime on the free iCatholic Radio mobile app. God bless you. Jesus, ufam tobie. Jesus, I trust in you. This is Rick Paolini and Father Jacek Mazur. Mercy is the form that God's love takes when it overflows His divine life and pours out upon His creatures. It's a great message for Lent, but also for any time of the year. It's a message of hope. Tune in for Divine Mercy in My Soul, who will be delving into the diary of St. Maria Faustina every Sunday morning at 11. And catch the Encore presentation every Tuesday evening at 8. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, dear family, to Mother Miriam Live. We are continuing with an article by S.D. Wright, W-R-I-G-H-T. And uh, let me just see, what does it mean for Catholics to believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church? One holy Catholic and apostolic church, the four marks of the church. And... um, we're right at the part of the article where um, um, the church, t- it, it says that the church, would, despite all the confusion in the world, the church taught that she has clear notes proving her claims and that one of these is unity. This remarkable unity in the church is itself a proof of her divine mission. As explained in session four of Vatican I, this unity is specifically in faith and charity. This sense was explained by theologians in the following decades. And, and um, here is Father Berry's comment. Unity in the profession of faith is a natural consequence of the unity of doctrine, a mere corollary to be explained rather than proved. Even as a natural consequence, this external unity of faith was seen as an evident, astonishing fact. Elsewhere, Barry continues, He who rejects 
the very principles of a society by word or act, thereby rejects the society itself and ceases to be a member. Therefore, every member of the church must make at least an outward profession of faith. Since this outward profession concerns the one faith taught by the church, it will be essentially the same for all its members. In other words, there will be unity in the outward profession of faith, which most of us just experienced at the Easter Vigil. And then under the subhead, the content of this profession, he writes, what is the content of this faith? The one faith taught by the church, says Mary. That's what the content is. It's the one faith taught by the church. It is not merely an acceptance of Christ as Savior with confidence in his merits uh, and his will to save, It is not just a set of fundamental doctrines upon which all who claim to be Christian could agree, things like the Trinity or the Resurrection, no. It is not just those things solemnly defined by a pope or by a council. Instead, it is the adherence to the whole body of doctrine. Barry writes, It is a well-known fact that the Church has always demanded the strictest unity in the profession of faith. Those who refused to profess even a single doctrine were condemned as heretics who had already ceased to be members. That's why I tell folks, if they are coming into the Catholic Church or they're Catholic and um, and they say, I agree with everything but these things about Mary, or I agree with everything but that, but this, or but that. Um, then I say to those individuals, then you're not Catholic, you're Protestant. You are protesting what you don't like, and that makes you a Protestant. A Catholic has to, has to uh, believe all that the Church teaches, um, infallibly, um, that is bound on the faithful to believe. It is the unity of faith. This is substantially the same idea given in magisterial authority by Leo XIII in his encyclical Satis Cognitum. It was this, it was thus, I'm quoting Pope Leo now, it was thus the duty of all who heard Jesus Christ. If they wished for external salvation, not merely to accept his doctrine as a whole, but to assent with their entire mind to all and every point of it, since it is unlawful to withhold faith from God, even in regard to one single point. Hence, as the apostles and disciples were bound to obey Christ, so also those whom the apostles taught were, by God's command, bound to obey them. And therefore, it was no more allowable to repudiate one iota of the apostles' teaching than it was to reject any point of the doctrine of Christ himself. The practice of the church has always been the same, as is shown by the unanimous teaching of the fathers, who were wont to hold as outside Catholic communion an alien to the church, whoever would recede in the least degree from any point of doctrine proposed by her authoritative magisterium. 
End quote from Leo XIII. There is no indication, not even in the word authoritative, that this is limited to the solemn definitions such as that of the Assumption or the Immaculate Conception. Leo XIII says, one single point, one iota, in the least degree, from any point, Barry and others all take him at his word. Now what about submission to the magisterium? This unity of faith is based on two things. The content of the doctrine professed, which is caused by the readiness of the faithful to be submissive to the church's magisterium as their proximate rule of faith. Let me reread that. This unity of faith is based on two things. The content of the doctrine professed, which is caused by the readiness of the faithful to be submissive to the church's magisterium as their proximate rule of faith. The contract of doctrine, beloved, if it's given to us and we don't have receptive heart, we're not readiness to, to we're not ready to receive it and to be submissive to it. Um, it it's it's going to mean nothing. That's not submission. We must avoid binary thinking here. The writers consider that the unity, united profession of faith is not jeopardized by some being wrong or ignorant, so long as they continued to be submissive to the magisterium. You see, some people can, can err in their teaching, but they need, once they learn it, to be submissive to the magisterium if they're Catholic. But this is because what is important here is the submission itself and not a mere claim to be submissive to the magisterium. The idea that the unity of the magisterium can be preserved by mere claims, that is someone, some of which might be manifestly false, is crass and legalistic. This is not what the theologians meant. Rather, if someone claims to be submissive to the magisterium and yet is openly denying or doubting dogma, and obviously knows what they are doing, their claim is vain. Consider this text from Cardinal Juan de Lugo. Um, it's a cardinal that died, the article says, in 1660. He wrote this, quote, If it be certain by some other means, for example, if the doctrine in question be well known, or if it be obvious from the kind of person and other circumstances involved, that the accused person could not have been ignorant of the opposition of this doctrine to that of the church, he will automatically be judged a heretic. Shall I reread that? If it be certain <clears throat> by some other means, for example, if the doctrine in question be well known, if it be obvious from the kind of person and other circumstances involved, <clears throat> That the, if it be certain by some other means, by whatever means, that the accused person could not have been ignorant of the opposition of this doctrine to that of the church, someone speaking against the church, and he is not ignorant of it, he will automatically be judged a heretic. 
It is simply obvious that those with greater learning have a lower burden of proof to establish their rebellion. We can certainly recognize some situations like this, such as when educated priests publicly deny dogmatic truths on social media platforms. So there are cases where we can know that the necessary subjection is present, some where we can know that it is not present, and many where we cannot know, and so can mostly give the benefit of the doubt. This is not about judging souls. It is just about recognizing the reality and being able to know who is and is not a Catholic. Indeed, individuals are not even primarily under the discussion here, except as parts of the overall picture. But regardless, when the Church and her theologians say that the unity of faith is a proof of the Church's claims, they are referring to the wonderful, indisputable fact that Catholics in practice all believe the same things as each other and as their ancestors and predecessors and that they are docilely taught by that magisterium even outside of its solemn, extraordinary definitions. They are not only, they not only all believe that our Lord became man, that there are three persons in one God, and so on, they also are habitually docile to, for example, the teaching of the encyclicals. This is why Pius XII could write in his encyclical, Humane Generis, quote, nor must it be taught, no, nor must it be thought, that what is expounded in encyclical letters does not of itself demand consent, since in writing such letters, the popes do not exercise the supreme power of their teaching authority. For these matters are taught with the ordinary teaching authority, of which it is true to say, he who heareth you heareth me. And generally, what is expounded and inculcated in encyclical letters already for other reasons, appertains to Catholic doctrine. But if the Supreme Pontiffs, in their official documents, purposely pass judgment on a matter up to that time under dispute, it is obvious that that matter, according to the mind and will of the Pontiffs, cannot be any longer considered a question open to discussion among theologians. Oh, there's the music for our break, beloved. I'm going to need to make a note, and we need to continue here tomorrow um, with this really wonderful article. Um, it's, I think it's it's excellent, and I think we need to understand these things, and we need, as Catholics, to agree. We need to agree and live in the unity of faith, which is being really... Um, Uh, confused all over the world today but it is still the unity of the faith the catholic church has not changed one thing in its teaching we'll be right back beloved feel free to call in toll free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at the station of the cross.com we'll be right back
Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is at a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. This is Debbie Giorgiani, one of your hosts for the upcoming Station of the Cross on-air Spring Appeal, taking place April 26th through the 30th. By donating at the benefactor level with a gift of $780 or $65 per month, you'll receive Mother Angelica's Little Book of Life Lessons and Everyday Spirituality, as well as a Jerusalem crucifix necklace with claw touched to the tomb of Jesus, a pocket rosary, and a Mother Angelica prayer card. To donate, call 1-877-711-8500 or go to thestationofthecross.com. Use the donation page of your iCatholic radio app or the return envelope from our recent spring appeal mailing. That's 1-877-711-8500 or thestationofthecross.com. I look forward to being with you April 26th through the 30th on The Station of the Cross. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, dear ones, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our whole half hour together. And please feel free to call in, text, email with anything on your heart. Um, I just listened to Debbie Giorgiano at the break, um, letting us know that the fund drive for Station of the Cross is coming up August 26th. I will be with you that week as well. Um, I just look forward... I look forward because so many people who listen, who support the Station of the Cross, it's it's almost a family retreat, a time for us to get together and support one another and say, yes, I'm still in, I'm continuing, or I've, I'm new to your station, I'm going to jump in. Um, it's a family affair, and it's wonderful, and, and no one has to wait till April 26th. As Debbie said, you can go on to thestationofthecross.com and donate at any time, and there will be gifts at every single level of donation um and i i don't i i could not think of a way to urge you um more than just by saying to you that um you are doing the work of god you are supporting the station of the cross which has wonderful hosts on it um and uh is absolutely true to the catholic faith um it is the reason I'm still on the radio, because of the Station of the Cross. 
Um, and it is the reason it's being li- live streamed through LifeSite News. Um, the Station of the Cross uh, records the programs from here now in Beloit, Kansas, and um, live streams them through LifeSite News. Um, and um, uh, Mother Miriam Live Facebook page and uh, Facebook pages for LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross in so many, so many ways. And I'm so grateful to you all. Um, and I, I ask you, I would beg you if I could, to support uh, the Station of the Cross. They are utterly, utterly worthy and trustworthy. And without you all out there, I wouldn't be on the air to put my arms around you. And to remind you, another is another fundraiser. It's the Life Site fundraiser for us, for our new home we, in Beloit, Kansas. We were there yesterday where we have to tear out all the walls downstairs. It's, it's 3,000 feet of space downstairs. And we're going to make... Um, uh, many cells down there and baths and showers and um, and then upstairs do a tremendous amount of work as well. I think I mentioned to you the house has been empty for almost 20 years, um, but it's a it's a beautiful place. has a little extra land around it. It's stone, and we're we're thrilled by it. Uh, we're going to need um, quite a bit to to buy it. Uh, I I think we should be okay. Um, but to fix it up, uh, we will need we will need help, and so uh, LifeSite News has put up the Life Funder for us, and I'm on it right now, and we are 51 percent funded. So the goal is 200,000. Um, that's what it was. That's what it has been. We came back with the uh, construction work and plumbers yesterday, and we know it's going to be a lot more to do what's needed in that home. But so far, the life funder shows 103,000, so we have 97,000 to go. Um, I have to refresh this to see how many days. I think it's about two weeks that we have 17 days to go, and it looks like we're 52 percent funded, 104,000. Bless you, bless you, bless you. I tell you, I look at this once a day, especially uh, for the program, and um, I read every one of your notes, and I bless God for you, and we pray for you. And um, someone um, called me and said, "You've never told anyone that you are tax deductible." Well, we are, five hundred one c three. Station of the Cross is tax deductible. LifeSite News is tax deductible. Tax deductible. Mother Miriam, rather the daughters of Mary, a mother of Israel's hope, is tax deductible. Uh, whatever you donate is tax deductible. So, um, and you'll get a receipt and a letter from me. So. God bless all of you who have been helping us like this. Okay, so now we're going to go to your calls, your emails, your texts, toll-free, 1-877-511-5483. Email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. Okay, uh, let me see now. We have an email from Ellen who writes, Dear Mother, I would appreciate your insight about a conflict in my family. I have three sisters. The oldest one passed away in 2010. So there are three sisters still living. 
and I am the oldest. We are in our 50s and 60s. My parents have both passed away. Recently, I had a miscommunication with my youngest sister, and we spoke on the phone and resolved everything, so I thought. We both told each other that we loved each other. This younger sister has not spoken to my other sister since my mother died in 2009. My father died in 2013 and left his house to me and my sister, who is the second oldest. Both he and my mother gave money to my youngest sister when she needed a house after a divorce. Both of my parents were still living. So my youngest sister called me the next day after the miscommunication and said that she wanted to discuss something that had bothered her for a while. I returned her call, leaving messages for her, and she never returned my call. She sent me a nasty letter in the mail in which she stated that she wants no further communication from me. Also, she called uh, myself, my sister, and the lawyer who worked with my father on his trust, liars and thieves. I contacted the lawyer and asked him to write a letter to explain to her that everything was done ethically. My older sister and I thought that this was needed to clear our names. He did this, and that is where it stands now. Let me see now. I am extremely, we're almost at the end, I'm extremely hurt by this whole situation, which I never deserved. I never knew what my father's plans were. What What bothers me the most is that she wants no further communication with me. I have gifted money to her over the past years since my father died. I have always tried to maintain cordial, a cordial relationship with her and her three sons. What do you advise? I want to handle this in a way that God would want, yet I cannot contact her because I don't know what she would do. She seems to think that she has the upper hand. Thank you and God bless, Ellen. This is a awful, awful situation, Ellen, and it seems that your younger sister um, is not logical, uh, not loving. Um, uh, her thoughts are not uh, good thoughts. So I'm wondering if you could get together with your other sister and the two of you who received your parents' house if the two of you, maybe um, through the communication of your other sister, since your younger sister doesn't want to speak with you, maybe she'll speak with the other one, I don't know. But I think the other one should call her or write a letter and say we would both, the three of us would like to get together <clears throat> and discuss this and 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 come to a, a point of peace. And we have our thoughts that is in, you know, the will, but... But we don't know all that you're thinking of why this should be a problem. We want you to help us to understand it. We want to come together as a family and never be broken up. So that's what I would do. Um, See if the two of you could go to your younger sister and say, this is our thinking, what is yours? 
You know, you already got money for a house that you needed. So now dad was splitting this house between the two of us. It seemed logical to us. It obviously did to dad. He would never have cheated you in any way or made you feel unloved or badly. So help us to understand what you're thinking and why you think um, uh, it is it is the way to see it. So that's what I would do. Your older sister should write her a letter and say, can we pick a date where the three of us get together to hear each other and see if... Um, any one of us really is not thinking through the whole thing. So that's what I would do, honey. We have a call on the line um, from someone calling in anonymous. Hi, are you there? Hi, Mother Miriam. Hello, dear one. Um, I'm wondering if you can help me figure out what to do. Um, I'm having a situation with my husband (coughs) that's Mm -hmm. been going on for a really long time. Um, He just doesn't want to go to mass with us. And um, during the pandemic, we didn't go for a while and we were praying a rosary together as a family. And then we started going to mass again and he still is not wanting to go. He will go, but when he does go with us, he makes it just very difficult and, um, he really doesn't want to do it, but he will do it because he knows that I want him to go. And so he'll sometimes put these obstacles in the way, like, you know, he'll want to sit in the back. And he says if he doesn't get a certain pew that he wants to leave or he doesn't want to stay. And there have been times where we've been sitting in mass and he will leave and um, then he'll come back and pick us up. So it's just, it's very daunting to me. And I'm just wondering if I should keep pushing the issue of having him go with us or if I should just kind of um, not ask him to go anymore. And it, what is it his seems faith? Like when I, go ahead, oh, finish well, your sentence, finish your sentence. Oh, it, it just seems like when I do ask him to go, he really doesn't want to, but right. he knows that it might, caused me to be upset so he he will go but mm-hmm. he um he actually uh he was um baptized in the catholic church and then when his parents divorced he was uh raised in more of a protestant setting although his family did not go to church mm-hmm. they didn't really have any faith in the home and then when we got married and we've been married for a long time when we did get married he did um, convert to uh, Catholicism, and so we were married in the Catholic Church. And um, I would say, like, pretty early on in our marriage, he just stressed that he didn't want to go to church. And he kind of said that he felt like he, um, you don't need to go to church to worship God. So well, he he's had Protestant that kind still. Of, he's still Protestant right, in his heart. Mm-hmm. Right. But I kind of feel like that was maybe just an excuse for him to stay home and, you know, not go. And he right. he does say that, you know, he prays every morning. And um, but I think that's pretty much the extent of it. Mm-hmm. I would not force him at all. I would not even ask him anymore. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> you never want to push someone to go to church, especially your husband. Um it's he, he's not honoring God by being there, and he's causing distraction for you and your children. 
and uh, displaying a very, very bad attitude, which your children don't need to pick up on. <clears throat> How old are your children? Um, well, my son is 17, and then we have a special needs child. That, How old? So she, um, she's 19, but she doesn't really notice that, you know, that he goes or not. But my son, okay. who's 17, mm-hmm. has said that it's easier when he doesn't go. Because then he shouldn't go. He should, don't force him. He's not Catholic in his heart. He converted, but he doesn't know what it means. I would never not force him and say, sweetheart, I'm not going to push you anymore, uh, ever. Uh, you know that we would love for you to come, but I'm not going to, not just not only push you, I'm not going to ask you. Um, it's, it's up to you, sweetheart. We'll always wish you to come, but you do what you wish. Don't ever push him or ask him again. Let the absence of your asking him cause him to want to go. Let your unconditional love for him in his present state cause him to want to become Catholic. The iCatholic Radio Mobile app is two apps in one. Your place to hear great Catholic programs and music. Here's what listeners are saying about the updated iCatholic Radio mobile app. Through the iCatholic Radio app, I have listened to the sermons and teachings several times. The effect has been a deeper understanding of my faith and Catholic tradition. This app has truly been a blessing in my life and has increased my faith. With the new app, you can choose to listen to our programs like Mother Miriam Live or The Catholic Current whenever you like. But you can also switch over to the best in contemporary music by Catholic artists. We even bring you hours of Gregorian chant every Sunday morning. If you do not currently have our app, download it to your iPhone through the Apple Store or to your Android phone by going to Google Play and searching iCatholic Radio. The updated iCatholic Radio mobile app, your one stop for great Catholic programs and music. LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, love in truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com. to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, dear ones. Um, we have been on the phone with a wonderful woman calling with a question. Are you still there? I am still here. Oh, Thank good, you, good. We got pretty cut off by that break. I apologize. So <clears throat> the, the thought I gave is the one to never force your husband or push him. And if you know he doesn't want to go, don't even ask him. I would just 
tell him, uh, sweetheart, I don't ever want to push you or force you. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ask you to come with us again. You know we would always love it, but we don't want you to come if you don't want to come. It's not to come to church to please us. It's to come to church to please God. And if that's not on your heart or God hasn't put it on your heart, just don't worry about not going. Um, and you can say to him, as Catholics, honey, I, um, uh, it's a mortal sin to not go on Sunday to church, whether or not we receive the Eucharist. And if we've missed a Sunday, we cannot go the next time and receive the Holy Eucharist unless we've been to confession. So I'm just running this by you so that you know you just can't come. No one can just go when they wish and receive communion. Um, I've not said all this to you before because I just haven't known what to do, but I don't want to push you anymore. So you converted to the Catholic faith we married. If it's not what you believe, if it's not what you want to practice, um, God would not want you practicing what you don't believe. We would, you know, uh, so, and and neither would I. Um, you know, and down the line, when it's appropriate, you might find a good book on the church for him to read or find out what his um, his problems still are because he sounds Protestant in his mind um, and maybe give a find a good book for him to read. And I feel you're exactly right in what you say, and that really takes a lot of pressure off of me because I've had people tell me, as long as you get him there, that's the important thing. Absolutely going. not. And so, he's not your child. He's your husband. No, right. the children you must get there. It's not their choice if they're underage, but not your husband. Not at all. You are, the scriptures say, to submit to him um, and let him be the head. And, and this reverses the roles that you are leading him like a child. It shouldn't happen. You're right, Mother. It does. Thank you. That, it, Like I said, it just takes a lot of pressure off of me. And Good. Every time we do what's right, the pressure's off us. But we don't always see it. But when we see it, the truth, as Jesus said, no matter what it is, always sets us free. So all you need to do with your husband, what he needs from you, is love and respect. And no pushing. And that sort of uh, change may bring him around. Thank you, Mother. You're welcome, <laughs> You really sweetie. lifted a weight off my heart, so oh, thank you. Thanks be to God. Okay, God bless you. We have an email from Mary, and Mary says, I'm wondering if practicing a hobby on Sunday, which, such as crocheting, sewing, or gardening, falls under the category of forbidden work, please advise. It does not, Mary. No, you can, you can do any hobby, a crochet or sew or garden, all of that, um, but make sure it's not servile work, meaning that it's it's just work you must get done uh, so you can get everything else done the rest of the week. Don't do that. If your hobby, um, whatever it is, even gardening, is um, a time, uh, an activity of peace for you where you could be walking with God through it, at peace with him, praying with him, grateful to him, all of that, and it really is entering into his rest, then it's not a problem. 
then it's not a problem. I've had people offer to mow our lawns on Sunday, and I tell them no, even if the mow lawn needs mowing, because then it's work. And if we're not going to work for them, we're not going to put them to work on a Sunday either. Um, so if they need the money or they need the work, I'll say let's do it on another day. Um, uh, again, if you happen to mow your lawn on Sunday and it's it's a joy for you and it's a time of prayer and it's fine, uh, I personally don't see anything wrong with that. But um, it, it'd be nice if the whole family were out there with you. Um, okay, now we have... Um, an email from Kevin who writes, Do blessings from a priest bring grace to a person that is in a state of mortal sin? Um, if you're in a state of mortal sin and you go to confession and you have a sincere um, repentance and a firm intention to not repeat that again, then the absolution will will absolutely bring you into a state of grace. But if you are living in mortal sin and a priest simply blesses you, um, my understanding is that, um, no, you would not receive that grace on the spot, Um, but it may be withheld until you confess your sin and you are in a state of grace again. All right, so while we're in mortal sin, we're not able to receive the grace of God because we've separated ourselves from God, um, except the grace of true sorrow and repentance that he would give us. But once we're in a state of grace and we're forgiven, um, then, um, uh, then yes, um, a priest or others, uh, we can receive grace from many uh, avenues once we are in a state of grace. We have an email from Josanne who writes, Dear Mother Miriam, I lived in Louisiana for 51 years and love New Orleans very much where I live now. But my first 10 years, I was raised with Latin traditional Catholic practices. Good Friday, being the holiest day of the year, was celebrated quietly, fasting and reflecting over Jesus, over his sacrifice for us. Therefore, no TV, radio, etc., which I practice to this day. Good. Here in southern Louisiana, it is celebrated with Good Friday, oh dear, celebrated with crawfish parties, which include music and beer. Well, I don't understand that, except that um, in our churches we have Friday fish and chips or Friday fish something. Uh, maybe that the crawfish parties developed from that with music and beer. I don't know. Um, Josanne says, it saddens me that so many Christians, especially Catholics, have little to no regard for the day of Christ's crucifixion. Can you expand on this? Well, um, Josanne, um, I, it, it's, it's a great sadness. Excuse me, to me also when people celebrate on Good Friday and they don't fast. That's a great sin. Fish and chips began, Friday fish dinners began because the rest of the day would be fasting and that would be an incentive to wait for dinner and eat with other Catholics who were practicing the same faith. But to go into parties and and all of that... um, 
No, I, I don't think that's the idea of Good Friday. And so um, uh, it might be the custom in southern Louisiana, but you don't need to be part of it simply because you live there. Uh, sometimes cultural things are good and sometimes they're not if they hide the very purpose of the holy day. And so if I were you in that, I would refrain. And if people say, how come you didn't join us? I would tell them. I would say, because it's Good Friday, it's not a time for rejoicing. It's when our Savior gave his life for us, not so we should party and have crawfish and, and have beer, but so that we should join in his suffering on the cross by fasting and prayer and penitence. Um, that's the closing music for today, dear ones. We will um, we'll be with you tomorrow if the creek don't rise. Um, God bless you, and um, we will speak with you tomorrow. And thank you for living for God who is worthy of our all.